This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing that. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured? You just can't let them go? Go! Hi, I'm Chucky, wanna play? <laughs> Please, God. This is God. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains. And your suffering will be legendary even in hell. <laughs> it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. They all flow down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, you're doomed. You're doomed. On our show tonight, sequel to Deja Vu, our hosts celebrate the time-honored tradition of movie sequels including the good, the bad, and the very ugly. From diabolical killers who won't stay in the grave, to science fiction epics whose stories cannot be contained, to a single chapter, and so much more. Join us for the tales you love, and some that you won't believe got made in the first place. He was the first superhero from New Jersey. He came to Tromaville and single-handedly wiped out crime, corruption, and chemical waste. The name's Avenger. The Toxic Avenger. <laughs> How are you? But this time, there's trouble not just in Tromaville. But also in Tokyo. And there's only one brave soul who can stop the forces of evil. Well, I am history. <laughs> there's only one hideously deformed creature of superhuman size and strength. And he's back. Don't worry, sir. I'm the Toxic Avenger. He's a fighter. He's a thinker. He's a lover. And when he returns, criminals won't have a leg to stand on. People will be dancing in the streets in The Toxic Avenger Part 2. No problem. The wildest, most off-the-wall action movie since... Since... What? The Toxic Avenger Part 1. <laughs> He's coming soon. <laughs> the Toxic Avenger Part 2. Alrighty, folks, welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration's sequel to Deja Vu. And this is a show where we cover sequels, sequels, and more sequels. Prequels, remakes, and reboots as well. 
this evening we got something pretty special for you. We got a little slice of trauma entertainment with Toxic Avenger Part 2 from 1989. Uh, set five years, uh, filmed five years after the, the original uh, masterpiece or masterpiece, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, this was actually filmed, it was such a long movie, it was four hours long as the original cut was, and they divided it up to make Toxic Avenger 2 and the majority of Toxic Avenger 3. Uh, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself here, but my co-host this evening is my good buddy Tom Burdinsky. How are we doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me, Cam. And uh, in, in a way, I, I am a sequel, too, since I've been on your show a couple times. So this, this actually yep. works out quite well. <laughs> if, if you're a sequel, if anything, at least a repeat. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, I did not know uh, when I was looking up the trivia that they had filmed. I knew that they had a, a much longer cut. I didn't know that, uh, you know, Lloyd's wife had um, suggested to him to like, listen, split this up into two movies, fit them about another half an hour of additional footage and just make two movies. You know, it's like yeah. and it's kind of apparent. There's a lot of uh, I mean, I like this film. I like this film a lot, but there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of uh extra montage kind of moments that just kind of go on and on and on for a little longer than they probably should. You know, you can tell there was a, a little bit of extra footage. Well, I was, and like I was, I was mentioned to you before we started, um, I, I'm lucky enough to have gotten to attend one of Lloyd's uh, film schools that he puts on when he would travel around with his movies. And uh, he came to my town to Muskegon, Michigan, because we had a great independent theater in Muskegon called the Harbor Theater. And we had sort of a mini trauma dance there, and they showed some of my films, and, and Lloyd watched my films, and I watched Lloyd's films, and then he did his uh, his little class, and he did talk about Toxic Avenger too, and I do remember him talking about how uh, you know how it, it just basically when he was you know a new director, he just he just was not really well organized. He had his script, but he never storyboarded anything out, and he was really, you know, flying by the seat of his pants, and he would easily get distracted, and they'd be shooting a scene, and he'd come up with another idea, and then it would just expand the scene, and he'd, you know, go out, and he'd come up with another idea while they're out there filming, and it just, you know, ended up, like you said, a 90-minute script turned into a four-hour movie, because he <laughs> just, you know, in those early days, he, he just wasn't as focused now. When you hear him talk about his later films like Poultry Geist and so on, he was, you know, he's a real tyrant on those films. And he was laser focused and, you know, made his cast and crew cry. He was so hard on them. But in his oh, early days, he was a little too little too lax and let things go and ended up with a four hour movie. So, yeah, you know, you live and learn. I guess it's better than coming up short on the running time, but like, hey, we filmed everything on this 90-page script, and we got 45 minutes of usable footage. I guess it, it, it's it's a happy accident to have when you have too much footage. I mean, there's n never a problem with edit editing it down. As a, you can't edit up, you know? It's just not doesn't work that way. But, right. you know, at least, uh, you know, his, uh, his wife, Patricia Kaufman, you know, had uh, enough foresight to, like, listen just kind of split these up and make two fucking movies out of it. And it was a great idea. And I actually kind of, I, I, I watched Toxic Avenger 3, The Last Temptation of Toxie, here recently as well. And uh, I, I kind of like them both together as a double feature. They they play very well off each other. I mean, using some of the same cast, you know, the same kind of continuing a storyline. They make for a great double feature. So, again, yeah. happy accident. Yeah, two two definitely ends a little abruptly. I, I don't think that was how he intended that 
whole big chase sequence to end that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, you know, he just realized he, he had too much and there was no way to cut that whole thing down into one 90-minute movie. But, and it's, it's just funny because when he was relating this story at, at the little film class and stuff, I, I had just, you know, my Italian zombie movies were out, which was, I had the exact same experience. You know, we, we planned to make one 90-minute movie and we ended up with two two-hour movies too, not necessarily because I wasn't organized. I did storyboard everything, but we would have people, you know, not show up so we would like rewrite scenes on the fly and we ended up creating all these additional subplots that we needed to resolve and uh so it, it was you know he was he was very open and honest with how it happened and uh and also from what i understand um you know it was it was very fortuitous too because you know he already had the sequel made people didn't really know that so he was getting investors oh yeah you know we're gonna we'll front you all this money to make part three and he's just yeah oh you bet yeah probably need a million dollars and, uh, you know, so he'd, he'd sell it to these territories knowing it was already 90% done and, uh, you know, pocket all that money. And uh, so it really it worked out. It, you know, he really did a great job, I, I thought, with what he had in creating two movies. And I honestly think, I mean, of all of his movies, part two is, is right up there at the top of my list. Yeah, I mean, I really like all four Toxic Avenger movies. I know a lot of people kind of forego uh, trauma and just refer to them as, as trash films. But, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of trash. It's just like junk food. Every once in a while, you need a Dorito. You know, you don't <laughs> always need to eat a salad, but every once in a while you want a bowl of popcorn. And this what these movies are. They're great. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let me go ahead and give people the quick IMDb synopsis. Uh, for this movie. Toxic Avenger 2, 1989, right here. The Toxic Avenger is tricked into traveling to Tokyo to search for his estranged father, leaving Tromaville open to complete domination by an evil corporation. And that's pretty straightforward. Like I said, lots of times I feel like these IMDb synopses are a little off the mark, but that's pretty straightforward about it. And I love how this movie begins you know, with the, the, the little bit of the, the recap and uh, <laughs> old Toxie, you know, Melvin referring to their garden apartment in this, you know, this in the city dump. That's not a garden apartment. That that was a garden trailer in the city <laughs> dump. But, oh, you know, sure. but, you know, they start off right at the beginning. You know, it starts off with, a, you know, a little bit of exposition. We get the quick recap, you know, that where the citizens of Tromaville are dancing in the streets and they're going about their lives, and they're making orange juice, and they're dancing in the streets some more. But then we get the like the biggest discrepancy I have between the first movie and this movie is they completely change his blind girlfriend's name. I completely forgot about that because all of a sudden I'm like Claire, I'm like wasn't her name Sarah? And so I had to pause it, go back and do my little INDB snooping, and yeah, sure enough, you know the the blonde bimboish uh, blind girl that was from part one, they just changed her name. And, of course, it's not the same actors. It's never the same actors in these movies. I mean, the only person that ever returns is Joe Fleischaker and uh, the actor, I forget his name, that plays Scarface. That's really the only guy that ever, like, returns in these movies. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's a few other changes to this. You know, it goes from Melvin Furr to Melvin Junko. And I know there was a reason behind that, but I didn't write it down. I, I remember reading it somewhere, but I did not write it down. That there was a name, like he thought the name sounded more Japanese since they were going to look for his father in Japan. So yeah. maybe that was it. But yeah, 
I'd heard that, and 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 that's kind of interesting too. Is you know, so there was almost what five years between Toxic Avenger one and two. I yeah, mean, there was five years. Quite a period there, and he was, of course, and this is what Lloyd does. You know, he he doesn't have a thousand prints of his movies made. He kind of travels around with a with a print or two, and and goes to independent theaters, and you know, and travels with his movie, and and builds up a lot of you know goodwill, and you know, introduces his movies live in person, and all that stuff. Well. When, when when he was pretty much making the rounds with Toxic Avenger 1 and, you know, they finally got the Japanese territory, you know, finally secured, uh, you know, they invited him to Japan to come, you know, present the movie. And uh, I guess he, he knew it was selling well in Japan on, on VHS or at maybe at that time they were just selling a lot of tickets. And, uh, you know, he went there and he really had no idea how popular Toxie was and they had a whole other name for him and all this other stuff. But he was just he was kind of floored by it. And he really, you know, at that time, you know, hadn't really even thought about doing a sequel. And uh, it just sort of occurred to him, you know, when he was there, he was getting, he would suddenly get ideas while he was in Japan, you know, how he could, how they could bring a sequel to Japan. So it was all sort of coming together to him. But I'll be honest with you, when I watched this movie, you know, just having met Lloyd a few times and, you know, knowing kind of how he is, I, I felt <laughs> like he probably went to Japan basically just to make a trip there. And, uh, you know, and just, you know, thought, hey, I can get a trip to Japan out of this. We'll just, like, shoot some scenes for Toxic Avenger in Japan. And really, you know, nothing's further from the truth. He, it really was very well thought out, you know, to bring the character to Japan and all this stuff. But the first time I saw it, I just thought, jeez, this guy, he just wanted to go to Japan and have a vacation. Because he, yeah, he wanted to, he wanted to pay for a vacation. He's like, okay, if I get the investors right. to pay for two weeks in Japan, I'll do it, right? And he only brought one actor with him. You know, he left all the other actors back in Tromoville. He brought his, you know, one of his three taxis with him out there to do the Japanese scenes. And the rest was all Japanese crew and Japanese cast. And I guess from what I heard, they all pretty much worked for free uh, just because they loved Toxic Avenger and all wanted to be a part of it. So, you know, great deal regardless of, of how he swung it. I don't know how long he was there or anything, but uh, certainly, you know, added a, a level of, uh, you know, kind of, just quality to the film having it you know really take place in japan and you know the, the little fictional trauma bill it was uh, it was quite cool yeah i i remember reading a bit of that that backstory but you said there were three toxies yeah. for this movie there was like i know there was ron fazio yep john altamura who was the third they fired john and yeah and uh pericles that yeah pericles the special effects guy that's right. He did. Uh, he did a few scenes. Mr. Redneck and Zombies. Yeah, yep, the Redneck so. Zombie special effects guy director. Yep, and also, I guess technically there were four, because Ron or Michael Hers. I always want to say Ron Mackey. <laughs> Sorry, inside joke there. Uh, Michael Hers plays Taxi when he's driving the hovercraft, because I, I don't know if they just didn't want anybody else to drive it, but uh, I guess Michael Hers got dressed up, and that's like one of his few film appearances. He's driving the hovercraft. Yeah, because yeah, he never so. really made many appearances in front of the camera. I know that, that's not Michael's forte. And this was his last uh, directing credit, too. This was the last one. He and Lloyd would do them together, and then uh, this was the one where Michael just decided, I just want to be the business guy, I guess. And, uh, you know, Lloyd, they used to share, you know, the, the duties. And uh, Lloyd kind of got to be more of the front man, and, and Michael kind of went back into the back. But yeah, it was a, it was a. It's I, you know, when I looked really closely to, to see if I could tell if that was, you know, Michael driving it or not, if he looked any different. But they were all, they were such distant shots, you couldn't tell. 
And maybe it's more evident. I know you and I saw different versions. I saw the director's cut. Um, and yeah, so I saw and, the regular R-rated version myself. Yep, you, yeah. and, you and I might be talking about some. I might talk about some scenes you haven't seen. I'm assuming you did see the hovercraft. Yeah, I did <laughs> see the. I did okay. see the hovercraft. All right. If you watch it again, maybe take a, a close look and see if you can tell. But uh, so I, I guess technically that would make four. Yeah, but the and main now guys, didn't Ron Fazio? He did. He's he also voice. did the voice too, yeah, as yeah, well. I thought so. Yep, after they, over. yeah, after they fired John, like because yep. I remember reading somewhere that might have been on Wikipedia or maybe it might have even been in Lloyd's book because I do have his book that he was uh, quite the amount of trouble <laughs> on yeah. set. So, which is uh, sad, but you know, it happens, it happens. But uh, this also movie kind of boasts the uh, first movie ever appearance of Michael J. White, who was Spawn among other things, you know, in, in dozens, hundreds of, you know, uh, kickboxing, fighting movies, mixed martial arts type stuff. He was one of the henchmen. He actually plays two different henchmen in this movie. He plays one guy, one henchman that's all kind of dressed up like a ninja, and then a henchman later on that looks like he's Mr. White from uh, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, he's but, got some yeah. moves. He's got some. He's got yeah. some nice fighting moves. His kicks were were quite impressive. And 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 Lloyd, uh, I don't remember where if I heard it on the commentary track at some point or something. But I, I know Lloyd like recognized right away. You know, this guy's going to be a star. You know, he just he had it. He had the swagger. You know, he was extremely confident and talented. And you know, he was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a legit tough guy. You know, I mean, not, not no no joke. He was a legit tough guy. Nope. But I love how it starts off at the the Tromaville Center for the Blind, where Toxie is now concierge. Yes. <laughs> of it. And they instantly, like, you know, after this kind of, like, kind of benign beginning, everything is very happy in Tromaville. There's no more crime ever since the last movie. And then Apocalypse Incorporated shows up, spells trouble right from the beginning. And right away, we're up to speed to normal uh, trauma hijinks, where they... <laughs> where one of the thugs machine guns a blind old lady out of her wheelchair and then sends a, a bomb in with Claire to blow up the, the center for the blind, which they do succeed in doing. They do blow it up, but it does nothing to Toxie. And he just, he comes out and there's just that, uh, that initial death, the, the, the wheelchair death where he sits the guy in the wheelchair and crushes him. There's one thing you can always count on in a trauma movie are inventive gory kills you know and, if that's what you're looking for you can count on that and and really tasteless tacky non-pc you know the whole house the whole place for the blind you know it's just you know it, right, that right. stuff is you know you, you gotta you gotta accept the, the the tackiness of it but uh but you know one thing too is you know this this wasn't like he blew up a miniature house he blew up a house for this movie and that was like that's a diehard level explosion. I mean, that was impressive. So they 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 had some money on this one. I know Lloyd likes to pretend like he's always hasn't got two nickels to rub together, but this is Lloyd's action movie. And this they had some amazing stunts and more explosions than you know than uh, a Hollywood action movie of that era. And uh, they pulled it off. You know, they really did. And the and the explosions were impressive. It, it, they were not cheap. They were real, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were real, like gas, gasoline, TNT type explosions. This is long before the you know folks and kids at home. This is long before uh, CGI explosions. They they did this stuff legit and for real. Yeah, 
Yeah, some great, some great stunts. People, you know, flying out of the explosion. Real stuntmen, you know, doing it all, you know, for real. It was, uh, they, they, they were quite impressive. Now, and and that big, uh, that you know, scene you're talking about in the beginning here, after after that happens, and the henchmen all come in there, you know, and because of course Toxie survives, so they they got to try to take out Toxie, and and that's uh, that whole sequence, that huge fight sequence is is a you know a real favorite I know of trauma fans because there's just so oh it's many- one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I love the 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 endless I call it the endless goon gag, like when the limbo opens up twice yep. <laughs> and they let out like six or seven bad guys and they close up the limbo. He fights everybody, kills them all, and then they open up again, and like more of these stereotypical, a Nazi comes out, a redneck comes out, a, a member of the KKK comes out. You know, yeah. they're all different, very different individuals. Don't, don't forget the dwarf. And yeah. then the dwarf, the the little yeah. person that he crushes the little person into a basketball, and he even has the the line is like, you know what I like to do? I like to play basketball, and he and he slam dunks, and I mean. Yeah. It's only and, only in trauma movies, folks. That's yeah. only in a trauma movie. And 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 you know, knowing and following Lloyd for years, and and knowing what a stickler he was, you know, for for special effects, especially in his later movies, you know, and how angry he would get when a gag wouldn't work. There were, you know, there were quite a few gags in, in that sequence that were, were not quite up to trauma par. And again, maybe this is only in the director's cut. But you know some of the gore gags and stuff were kind of weak for you know for for his level you know what he wanted to achieve later and again I think it's because he was a little more playful in this movie um, you know thinking it was going to be a mainstream movie for them um, you know with the success of the first one I mean, I mean he got this one MPAA rated and he had Lorimar as a you know a producer or a distributor lined up or how yeah that... I noticed that Lorimar and Warner Brothers yeah. uh, name was tagged on my version yeah so he had you know this was like thinking maybe they were going to segue into that so it was a little you know it wasn't terror firmer or you know poultry geist you know vicious kind of violence that you saw which was still way over the top but yeah uh, but you said playful earlier and I think that's yeah. a good way to describe yeah. it it feels more playful and it feels more like you know an action epic than a like a cult horror film yep and I think that's probably why a lot of people kind of just compared to the first one I think a lot of people were disappointed the first one was was more you know it was over the top and it was gritty but it was more horrible and gory and gross and this one was more of an action superhero more more fun and playful now I I liked it better than the first one, honestly. But I know a lot of people just kind of had a different opinion. I think this first scene kind of sets you up for what was going to, you know, come through the rest of the movie. It's going to be action. It's going to be, you know, over the top. It's going to be playful, and it's it's going to get uh, <laughs> it's it's going to get re- it's going to get pretty loose. We're going to have right, a, right. We have some pretty loose plotting here and some pretty loose subplotting, which I'm oh, sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> now, no, I want to segue into a, a something here real quick. Now, you said that you like this one better than the first one. Now, is this your favorite uh, Toxic Avenger film? And if not, which one is? Um, you know, that's like the difference between, you know, nine and a half and ten. I mean, I really enjoy all of them. But probably this is probably my favorite, just just by a hair. Um, I think this is my favorite one of the, of the whole group. Probably one reason it's my favorite, too, is because I'm a huge fan of Lisa Gay, who plays Malfair, the, the evil villainous in this one and i could look at her all day so <laughs> that's a good enough reason for me now now my favorite is is part four and i know a lot of people don't like part four you know it's kind of 
the black sheep of the family. You know, no, nobody ten, tends to list that as their favorite. I just think it's so crazy and so over the top. They pull out every move and every trick in the book, throw everything, but you know, not but everything but the kitchen sink, but everything including the kitchen sink. In yeah, it. I think and, you know he got he got better as as a director. You know, he kept getting better with every film. And I think yeah, from a filmmaking and a, and a creative standpoint, that one's probably you know at the top. Um, this one to me, I think it's it's the pacing. I think it's just the the somewhat lightheartedness of it. And I'm a you know a hardcore gore guy. I, I mean, I love horror movies, but this was just such a neat little change of pace. And the stunts and the action scenes were were so well done. I mean, I really was just knowing you know that Lloyd is not a, a huge Hollywood production with you know, 30 cameras capturing every action scene, like, you know, like a Die Hard or a Spielberg film, they pulled this off with one camera. I mean, to me, that was just, it's really amazing. Right. Uh, you know, and it's even, you know, considering that they used a lot of the you know, footage for part three, this one is, is choreographed so well with all the action sequences. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, but you know, the end of uh, car chase, you know, with mm. the taxi cab and the dark rider, Incredible. there is some dangerous, dangerous stunts and oh, yeah. some people just ducking out of the way in the last you know what i mean the last yeah. couple of moments and stuff you know i mean the some people are getting in a way with you know, barely with their lives hardly intact i mean oh, uh, it was insane i think it was the stunt coordinator who is uh i think he's the guy that's putting out that uh you know that uh, uh that little sawhorse out in the street with the light on it you know and the, the motorcycle guy goes by him first and he, he yes. has to roll out of the way, and then the cab goes right past him. I mean, that was a freaking dangerous stunt. Yeah, and one uh, little miscalculation, yeah. and we would have had a pancaked uh, stunt coordinator. Yeah, I mean, and there were a lot of stunts like that, like you said. And again, it was it was just very well choreographed. Those those scenes were well shot, and you know you don't get a lot of extra chances when you're blowing up cars like that with you know with one camera. And uh, and just, no, there are no second chances. No, no, and he, I thought I was, you know, I could see why he had a lot of fun making this one and why it ended up being four hours long, because they just, you know, they, he had the crew and he had the talent with the cast and, and the stunt coordinators and the effects people to, you know, to really pull some great stuff off. Yeah, it, it's it's a great, it's a great film, but yeah, like I said it before, it, it plays off very well as a great double feature, you know, it's got <laughs> such a nice recap for part one. You yeah. can, not that I would ever suggest foregoing part one and not watching it, but if you just had, you know, you wanted to have a good double feature kind of night, you know, and do two movies back to back, two and three work very, very well together. Yeah. It had a body count of 66. Now, 66 <laughs> body count. That's low. And I think I read, I did a little studying, and the, the third movie had like eight or nine. So they, they, they used all all their their kill they used their kill count for this movie big time. The the, the, the pendulum swung very heavily in this movie's favor with the body count. I, I wonder who I wonder who counted that because with all those blind people that got blown up in the first scene, it has to be higher than sixty six. And all it's, those, it's approximate probably. Yeah. <laughs> of course maybe all those people didn't die that Toxie was, you know, beating up and tearing apart and everything. Maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure who came up with that number. I would think it'd be at least Twice that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, maybe some of them they just count as getting the shit knocked out of them. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yep. But the gist of this movie is about uh, a, a 
Apocalypse Incorporated, run by uh, the, the chairman, Rick Collins, who plays a great villain. He's got a great look, a great cadence to his voice. He, he's a good archetype kind of like, you know, villain that's like, he seems like he would be very much at home like in a James Bond film. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, he He's good, although, but I, I thought uh, Lisa Gay overshadowed him a little bit kind of as his mouthpiece as the, you know, the one kind of the, yeah, she's kind of like the devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah, she's the one who's putting all the plans in motion. He's kind of the, you know, he's the he's the emperor, but she's kind of the Darth Vader, you know, making everything happen. At least in the first one. That's yeah, a good correlation there. That's a good. That's a good way to describe him. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, and she's and again, she's uh, she she hasn't been she wasn't in a lot of movies. Maybe I don't know three or four movies, and I think three of them were trauma. But uh, I always have just thought she she should have been doing a lot more. She's got a just a great perfect for trauma. You know, just a, just a little bit over the top and funny and, you know, attractive, great sense of humor. And she's still out there. I, I do follow her on Facebook, I have to admit. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll try to get her for the show one day. Maybe we would do Toxic Avenger 3. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but Toxie, I love, uh, there's a meta moment in there where they're doing the Toxie recap and they're like, where they actually make the point point like, well, in, in Toxic Avenger 1, in real 2, this happened. So they do very much make, you know, a reference like, yeah, we know this is a movie. So it was kind of, I guess the term is meta, is very meta. Yeah. Or, or, or fourth wall breaking, which is oh. fine, too. For this type of movie, that works. I generally hate that, but for, for uh, this type of movie, it worked well. Right, right. You but, think about it, this, this was almost, I mean, at least for me, this was a this was a big precursor to uh to like the Deadpool movies and stuff like that because again oh, it's, yeah. it's way over the top and fourth wall breaking and I'm still wondering why Lloyd didn't sue Lucas because you know Lloyd's got the what did he call them the Traumatons that uh, give Toxie his power yeah and yeah the Phantom Menace where they come up with the Midiclidians or whatever that give you the Force power come on Lloyd go sue Lucas you had the idea ten years before he did. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> fucking Lucas. Uh, but I like I like the fact though that Toxie is in a funk in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's an angle I like. You know, he's been seeing a shrink, and Claire tells him, you know, you need to go to the shrink eight days a week now instead of seven. And that's where Apocalypse Incorporated kind of they know he's seeing a shrink because he's been in a rut. You know, there's no crime to, to dispose of in town, and they figure out their big plan. You know, they don't necessarily necessarily say right away that they're going to send, you know, Toxie to go find his long lost father. But that's what it ends up being about. But, you know, they say, how are we going to beat him? Technology. And where is the center of technology? Japan. Japan. <laughs> and like yeah. he literally says uh, Rick Collins does that. The actor Rick Collins is the chairman. Says if you want things done right, you've got to turn to Japan. So, like, that's how they're going to defeat you know <laughs> toxic avenger which is which is again probably why my my upon my original viewing i thought you know what an excuse just for lloyd to get a trip out to japan and you know he's only bringing one cast member with him to do it right but, uh, but uh, obviously there was more traveling to it. Life, you know, one, you know. And, and as excessive as, as some of the scenes were in this movie that was the scene that disappointed me that it wasn't longer was when the psychiatrist was trying to manipulate toxi and yeah uh, yeah it was. I mean, it was a sexy kind of, scene, and it, it, it should have, like, it could have gone way longer. You know. Yeah, there was a lot of scenes. that had a lot of things that things kind of dragged on a little bit here and there, but that seemed seemed to go over really quickly. Yeah, and his and I don't and you probably noticed this too, but um, you know, 
in the earlier parts of the movie, Toxie had a, you know, kind of a remote control eye that worked pretty good. And in, in that scene and some other scenes, it was, it was, yes. it was like really well, it was a great Toxie mask and all that stuff. And I guess the eye broke later and they, they weren't able to use it as much, but that, that just that whole sequence, I thought, man, I, I, I would like to see, you know, more of that scene between the psychiatrist and Toxie because she was quite sexy too. Yes, she was. There's no shortage of of, uh, of sexy women in the trauma movie, you know, or the traumets as they like to call them. There's no shortage of them here. No, he likes uh, he likes very attractive women, and he likes very um, extreme looking people. You know, just yes. really, really strange looking. You you know, just a regular average person. You're not going to see that in a trauma film. They're either going to be drop dead gorgeous, or they're going to have something freakishly unusual about them. <laughs> that's right, gonna, right. Going to make you interested to see them, and uh, that's that's yeah, you know, that's that's Tromaville. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what makes them unique. Yeah. Uh, but Tromaville, uh, the, the, they're always at the nexus center of all the the trouble. Apocalypse Incorporated. Their evil plan is that they want to take out Tromaville. They're an international company, but they want to take out Tromaville so then they can take out New York. And yeah. then take out the world because Tromaville's next to New York, and New York is the nexus center of the world. So that's their big plan, you yeah. know. <laughs> take over Tromaville, take over New York, and take over the world. But I love also love the fact that Toxie's dad's name is Big Mac Junko. Yeah, <laughs> Big Mac. And there's a line that I'm gonna I'm gonna jump ahead here a little bit because I, I I have to I have to make a reference to this. This this is one point that made me just. Oh, kind of j- just just made me sigh. Like somebody in the writing room, there was what three writers in the for this movie, or three or four, I think, uh, <laughs> because there was Lloyd, Pericles, and there was at least one or two other people. Mm-hmm. But the end when Big Mac Junko says, "I'm like, I am the Big Mac. I am the Big Cheese. I guess you could say I am the Big Mac with cheese." And I'm like, really, yeah. <laughs> really. And that I was like groan, groan all the way. That was just, and you know, he's supposed to be kind of our, our main villain besides you know the chairman, and he's making jokes like that and calling Melvin, you know, Toxie Smelvin. It just seemed very, uh, you know, very PG thirteen. You know, it's like, oh, for, yeah. but you know. To me, that's 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 Lloyd New York humor. You know, that's Seinfeld humor. That, that's that's so yes. New York. You know, that kind of the, the puns and that kind of stuff. That and he he peppers his movies with that. And I, I it, it is it's just a different kind of humor. And I think that's the stuff that Lloyd probably thinks is the funniest. Oh, I'm sure that. I'm sure. <laughs> he for does. me, yeah, it's a groaner. <laughs> I think the funniest part is uh, right before uh, Toxy goes to Japan. And he's having like a picnic dinner with uh, Claire. Claire. And he yeah. says, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh, it's our last day together. What do you want to do? What does Toxie want to do? He wants to get busy." So they had the the one obligatory sex scene between Toxie and Claire that is just ridiculous and goes on for twice as long as it probably should have. <laughs> but, <Yep. laughs> but like, Claire that's has, what Claire had some fun. <laughs> Feedy had some fun in that scene, though. She got to. Uh... She got to show some uh, show some pretty humorous over the top talents in that one. Yeah, and she is funny as hell. She is funny as yes. hell in both these movies. I I always like to use the term MVP, who the people that are the MVP of the movie. Phoebe yeah. is the MVP of, of this movie by for sure. far. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's it's a shame, I guess, that uh, 
she I think I think she and White had a falling out or something. I don't know what it was about, but it's it's too bad because uh, I think I think she and Lloyd could have probably collaborated on a lot more stuff. Um, just because she's got that, just that over-the-top sense of humor. She's really talented musician, you know, dancer, everything, you know. And uh, she just, they just had some sort of, you know, and it happens with Lloyd quite a bit. People have falling outs with him. Um, but that, that's kind of a shame. Now, Lisa Gay and Lloyd are still friends, so I, I'm still holding out hope that he brings her back for, you know, many more films. <laughs> no, I, I think she was, uh, you know, uh I think Lisa was in the last uh, Return to Newcomb High, wasn't she? So I think she kind of came back. Well, I know at, she's in. I know she's in the Shakespeare Poop Storm. I don't know if I can say the, the naughty. Oh, word. you can say whatever you want okay. here. It's it's just storm. Shakespeare. <laughs> just, I know storm. she. I know she appears in that. Um, I think she might just be, you know, like so. So you'd recognize her, you know, some a background character. I don't think she's a star in it. But uh, she's, you know, she's really busy with her own film stuff that she does. But. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of people that I, I think Lloyd maybe just you know he's he's so manic and he's so creative and he's but I think he's also so you know he's very he's very headstrong and uh, I think he just learned like after making this movie that became you know two movies that uh, you know he really needed to take charge more and I think that rubs some people wrong, especially creative people. They like to do their own thing. Yeah, they like to kind of do things uh, loose and wild, you know, and yeah. he, he probably runs a very tight ship, I imagine, these days. Oh, yeah, especially with the tiny budgets he's working with, and, you know, he doesn't feed anybody anything but cheese sandwiches, you know, he's <laughs> he's he's really tight, and he needs to be really efficient to get things done, and I, you know, hey, it works for him, though, he's made some amazing movies. Speaking of tight and efficient, what do you think of Toxie's uh, means of transportation to, uh, to get to <laughs> Japan? Once he figures out how, where where to go, he's got to go to Japan. He figures out how he's got to get there. He goes by windsurfing. Absolutely. And because he, he says, it, I think it's like in a voiceover, he's like, I chose the most convenient or the most uh, useful, quick, quickest way to get there. I didn't want to use a plane or a boat. He windsurfs. Yep. <laughs> and, and of course... Those those days, you know, the late '80s, that was like windsurfing was huge. You know, you you I mean, you'd see windsurfers like in every movie. What was that? Was it the Last Shark or one of those? Even though yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Last Shark. Yeah, bunch right. of windsurfers getting killed. I mean, that was that was such a big a big deal then that that, that fit perfectly. And actually, hey, there you go. That, that's another different Toxie. Another guy played Toxie in that scene. They had to hire an actual windsurfer. So wasn't we up to five now? <laughs> Yeah, probably. We're at, le at least at four, if not four, maybe yep. five. Uh, oh, but I love how he he says, and he decides to enter Japan Godzilla style by the water yeah. churning and him exploding up out of the water. I like that. Great scene. Great scene. Now, this is the one part of the movie that, the one, the one point I'll probably come down on it just a little bit. I think it slows down a bit. It slows down a bit to a crawl when he initially gets to Japan. You know, him kind of being the fish out of water, looking around for his father. I feel like they could have sped that up a little bit. There was just a lot. Of, and they were, I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to use every landmark, every great building, every great location they could. Like, hey, where can we put, you know, Toxie Nest next? Oh, let's put him next to this shrine. Let's put him next to this yeah. opera house. I, I think that he did that because of the, just the, you know, it was, it was for marketing. You know, I mean, the Japanese people loved Toxic Avenger, and he wanted to give them, you know, Toxie in Japan. So he wanted to, you know, have Toxie at all these, you know, little landmarks or at least places that Lloyd thought were landmarks. 
And I, I think that whole most of those sequences were were just because, hey, you know, they loved the first one. I'm gonna I'm gonna sell even more of them here with the second one because I'm gonna do all these right. scenes here. And and he, you know, I remember him, you know, saying that just he the the Japanese crew was just so efficient and so good and and just you know so so much fun to work with that I think he just you know really you know and again as organized as he was he he, <laughs> he just just started winging it out there. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll agree with you. I. I I mean, it was kind of, it, it was a point in the movie that, you know, maybe could have been, could have been moved a little bit faster, but at the same time, I, I think I see why he did it. And it was, it was such a, a contrast to Tromoville, you know, it, I think it was, he wanted to set up that whole other location and uh, he had, again, he just had, you know, very game actors and a lot of those actors were pretty big, you know, famous Japanese actors who'd been in a lot of movies that uh, the bad guy there, Big Mac, Bunko or whatever, you know, he was a, you know, played in a lot of those Japanese gangster movies back in the day, and that I know that television guy who was interviewing everybody, he was a big, big personality in Japan. So, yeah, I think he just, uh, hey, you know, I got these guys. It's going to help me sell the movie. Let's do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you got it. You're there. You might as well use it. Yep. Like I said, it, it's, it's not a, a real negative to the movie. It just it just slows it down a little bit. But mm -hmm. other than that, you know, I mean, it, it's still pretty good. I, I love when uh, when uh, Toxie's traumatons start tingling because they as they tingle like Spidey senses they tingle in the presence of evil, yep. <laughs> and he he takes that uh, the street vendor that had the 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 I forgot what the name of it was but it was a press that he used to make these fish shaped snacks and he presses the guy's nose yeah <laughs> into the fish. It's a, I mean, it's a dumb gag. I mean, let's face it, it's a dumb gag, but it is so good and it looks so good. The oh, effect is. Best best special effect in the movie, and that was all Japanese crew again. You know, they right. they had their own people, and, and it, it's fun when you look at the cast. Uh, I mean, not the cast, but when you look at the credits at the end of the movie, it's like watching a Marvel movie. He had so many people involved in this movie. You know, two complete crews, and uh, and you watch his later movies, and he just he didn't he's never had that since. But he certainly made good use of it. Yeah, that, that's an extremely memorable scene. <laughs> I love the, the following scene, too, when he turns the guy into basically a big bowl of ramen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can always count on ridiculous effects and ridiculous death scenes. Oh, yeah. In, in, in a trauma movie, and especially in a toxic movie. And this movie is, there's no shortage of them in this movie. And, and I and I do think Cam probably a lot of the really gory scenes in Japan. Did you did you have many of those in your version? Because there's no some the version I have is not very gory. The the oh. gore and the blood is very very minimal. So yeah, I I missed big, out on a lot spoiler, of that. Big big spoiler alert. So that that uh the big the big Mac Bunko the big bad guy, he gets filleted. And it is just a gruesome scene. <laughs> the guy is just—he's just chopping him apart. He chops his legs up. He chops his arms off, and it's—it's it's an incredibly gross scene. <laughs> that uh, apparently Lloyd was saying, and, and the director's cut version. You know, I think this is the first time anyone's seen this. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and it was you know all the Japanese. Well, like they—they they, they do chop up Big Mac, you know, quite a bit in, in the version I saw, but it's all like. A lot of it happens off camera, you know. Yeah, or, no, this is really all, quick cuts. Yeah, no, this is you get the close-ups. It's it's something else. Now and, I got the director's cut of part one and part four. You know, we talked about this off the yeah, air. You know, before yeah. the show, I have never seen uncut uh, part two and part three. Never. Yeah. I I need to. I need that. I need that in my life. 
Yeah, I think it's only available in that box set that he came out with. I want to say in two thousand five or something. And uh, that I, I mean, when, when he came to to my town and I had him sign it and all that stuff. And uh, I, I do remember him telling me about that. Like, this is the only way you can see this version. He was really hyping it up, and I I kind of didn't really remember it until you know you and I talked about doing this movie. And then I was I was actually very glad I had it because I, I liked it before. But with these added gore scenes, you know, they just they add a, a nice, you know, nice amount of it feels more like a trauma movie, you know, right. It's, it's got that over the top gore that's not painful. You know, it's not played for agony. It's just played to gross you out. And uh, he does plenty of that. Yes, he does. Uh, but yeah, I, I now I got to ask, did, did Lloyd in that uh, when you met him during that that period and he had that that shop? Did he ever say like what was the most difficult part about filming in in Japan as opposed to filming in America? I remember something from the commentary track that it was it was more um, like translations were difficult, um, and the, the Japanese people, uh, you know, they, it's just they're they're very polite. You know, they they never want to they never want to you know say something they think is going to offend you, and that would just cause some problems with them maybe getting you know, the right permissions to do the things they wanted to do. And rather than just tell him, you know, Lloyd, you can't do this, they would just kind of stall <laughs> and, like, not do it. And then he'd later figure out, oh, I can't do this, is what you're saying, you know. So it's it's kind of a just a cultural thing. They were so in awe of Lloyd, I think, that, you know, they just, they wanted to do whatever he said. And when they couldn't do it, you know, they, they just, you know, wouldn't come out and say, hey, we can't do that. They just, you know wouldn't do it i think i you know he i what i remember um like some of that stuff in the uh the uh, bathhouse was yes. like taboo like you can't film in a bathhouse and not only can you not film in a bathhouse but you can't you know you can't trash the <laughs> you can't trash the tub in the bathhouse um so there, there was there was i think a lot of different things like that but um you know it was just just you know just different cultures and i just think that they were so in awe of lloyd um, you know, because they just love Toxic Avengers so much, and uh, that, that's all I can kind of remember. But yeah. yeah, again, like my my, I think my favorite uh, death scene besides the the one at the beginning with the wheelchair because it's just a great gag. But <laughs> you know, when he turns the guy in basically to a great big bowl of ramen, you know, in yep. the bathhouse <laughs> it is it's just great. When he goes at adding in rice and adding in noodles and vegetables and soy sauce and just yep. like. He's cooking it up. I mean, it was really, this is a great gag. So let me ask you, too. Did you have the two decapitated guys dancing around in your version? Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, well, yes, I did, ha did have that. That was that was a scene that I thought was quite quite well done and quite quite amusing. Um, so, yeah, so I'm glad that that scene was in there, at least. But that, that was yeah. very memorable to me. There's so many memorable scenes that are, that are trauma. But even more so, just the action, especially those chases, those chase scenes at the end are just unbelievable. Yeah, the chase scenes are just, you know, it's amazing to me the risk that they were willing to take on such a low-budget film. You know, yeah. I mean, probably you're very high-budget for Lloyd at the time, but, you know, the, the the risk that they were willing to take, I commend them on that because... I've taken some risks myself on, on with some stunts on set. I would not have put myself at risk for a lot of this shit. Like, <laughs> no, 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 not going to do it. Just let somebody else do it. Get a stunt double. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, very, very game cast and crew, both U.S. And, and in Japan. And it showed, and, 
it's just great when you, you can you know harvest that kind of energy, which I, I think he does in almost all of his movies. Um, for me, well, there's a great kinetic kind of energy in all of Lloyd's movies. Yep. There's never yep. really a dull moment. Nope. <laughs> his, his own manic energy carries over. <laughs> I, I love that they they kind of have Toxie with a sidekick in this one. You know, the girl that he um, saves yeah. from being mugged, Masami. Yeah, she was cute. Yeah, and she and she was funny. She was very funny. She played off well with, with, with Toxie, you know. And it's like not like that. He, you know, she's not like a love interest or nothing like that. Because, you know, I like the fact that Toxie, you know, remains uh, faithful to to Claire. You know, there's never any kind of hanky panky going on or anything like that. She just happens to be, you know, become, you know, his kind of his interpreter. Kind of shows him around, helps him finds his father. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we're away from Tromaville for probably a good. What good 25 30 minutes in this chunk of the movie before we oh. get back to Tromaville? And surprise, yeah. surprise, Apocalypse Incorporated is taking over everything and turning it into Apocalypseville. Yep. yep, you know, and like not a big surprise. I'm, I'm when I say surprise, surprise, I, I mean that with every ounce of sarcasm in my being. That's right. Well, they, 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 got, they got Toxie off the continent, so that was their time to go in and do all the evil things that a company named apocalypse incorporated is going to do and uh and those are always you know typical lloyd scenes you know where you've got you know just the, the, the crowds of protesters and the the cruel people shooting everybody down and you know all, all the gross running people blatantly murdering and running over peaceful protesters and horses yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, and then you got the you then you have the the weird the, the the crap addicts. Instead of being crack addicts, they're smoking yeah. crap. Yep. <laughs> I just and I love it. No explanation for that. They're just crap addicts. It's like you're just supposed to buy it and move along. Yep. The, and, and this again. is the best part. Like I think at least best exchange is when uh, the chairman. I think it, I think it's the chairman that quotes. Shakespeare, he says something to the little old lady that's like, where are we supposed to go? This is, you know, our home. And he quotes something from Shakespeare and he like, that's Shakespeare. She's like, yeah, well, fuck you. That's David Mamet. Yep. It's, <laughs> you know, for, and it's just so simple, but it was just the wry sense of humor about it. I, <laughs> I, I, I just love it. It's a great exchange. That little old lady, the little old hippie lady is just great. I don't think I don't think Lloyd gets enough credit for really you know the amount of you know political and, and social satire that is in his movies. The over the top stuff just shines so much that I think you kind of miss some of the little you know little politics, the little you know some of his little environmental stuff that he throws into his movies and the uh, you know the, like you said the Shakespeare you know the the. Uh, the, the stuff that he's he's not afraid to parody a little bit, but generally he you know he's he's kind of letting you in on his you know his social angle and some of his political views and he he's pretty subtle with that stuff when you compare it to how over the top he is with everything else. But I think that's just that's that's when he's at his best. You know when you get both of those things in a movie and then you get a little bit of that New York humor too. You know with the uh, with the you know the the old couple and the which which is coming up obviously. Um, but you know, just he—he he just has—he's got a great sense of humor, and he—he he finds a lot of things amusing, and he mixes them all up, and I think he just does a great job with this movie. Uh, ex exactly. It's just like when he, when he finds you know uh, when Toxie finds uh, Big Mac, he finds his father, you know, and he's just a <laughs> big Hulk of a guy, and 
you know, and I looked him up, looked him up. I didn't write the actor's name down, but he had like 80 or 90 credits before he passed away in 2012. And yeah. he, you know, was pretty prolific of an actor back then. Big, big Japanese gangster star. A lot of, a lot of those, uh, you know, gangster, what do they call them? Yakuza or something? Yeah, Yakuza movies. Yeah. Yep. yep. He was big into those. And I know I've seen him in other stuff too. And I don't know if it's TV shows. And I'm a big fan of like the Japanese giant monster movies and shows and things like that. So he was familiar to me, even from like some of that stuff somewhere along the line. I can't say if it was, you know, TV or if it was movies, but uh, right away, you know, he, and he's, he, he's good. I mean, he was, he was a good bad guy in this. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, you know, there's no surprise that when he finds him now, you know, this is a uh, quote unquote, you know, I'm doing air quotes on the, you know, in the air here. Uh, it's Toxie's father, but it's not, it, it's when he finds him, it's no big surprise that he's a bad guy. Cause his traumatons go off again and he's a drug runner smuggling with a cocaine inside dead fish. Tuna fish, yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, another, like, that's what I was thinking, you know, when you had mentioned, you know, the kind of the social commentary that uh, Lloyd always seems to have. Like, yeah, it's not a big surprise, you know, when it, he does find his father, like, oh, he's a drug runner. It's like, okay, yeah, that, that's not a big surprise. Nope. <laughs> and it's another another scene, like our opening scene, where we got our big gang of destruction, where he, like, Toxie is just dispatching people in various ways, very funny ways. You know, you got the couple of the people that get decapitated. Then he, uh, he carves, uh, he carves the fish boy. I forgot what the name of the character was, but yeah. you know, he was, he was one of the experiments with the anti-traumatons that they were going to use against Toxie. And it was just a guy with a fish head that spits. I don't know what it was that he was supposed to be spitting all over him, but probably don't want to know. But when he just carves him up and he like, he's just a plate of sushi when he's done. Yep. <laughs> it's great. There's, you know, there's stunts upon stunts upon gore, upon gags, upon, upon uh, you know, creative death scenes. It's really other than like this, you know, the initial arrival in Japan where it slows down for a few minutes there. Everything moves at a really brisk pace in this movie. There's really no downtime. It goes from set piece to set piece really quickly. For sure. And, you know, and other than a couple of the gags, you know, like the, that we talked about with the, uh, you know, the, the fish nose guy and all that stuff. I think a lot of those those uh, those fight scenes and all that stuff, I think they sort of were probably pretty organic. You know, they got over there. They had all these people who wanted to be in the movie. And, you know, because you saw some things there that I don't think Lloyd thought up. You know, some of just some of the unusual characters that Toxie was encountering, you know, the Kabuki Man and all that stuff. But in fact, he did. I, I do remember him saying this was the inspiration for Kabuki Man, you know, when they had these Kabuki characters, you know, fighting tra- tra- uh, Toxie and so on. Oh, so, yeah. It's it's so obvious that that's where they got the inspiration from. Big yep. time. Big time. So I'm sure Lloyd didn't think that up before he got there, you know. So I mean, it was just, it was, and, you know, organic, but again, with the extremely talented. Japanese crew and stunt coordinators and so on that they had their fight coordinators. Um, you know, it really, it really went off well. Now you said, now we got our, our Toxie versus Big Mac, his dad, yeah. you know, they, they fight and he basically, you know, he turns from looking like a Yakuza guy to looking like a, uh, a sumo wrestler yeah. and they had their big fight and whatnot. Now, we, we know like he gets tossed in front of the sushi chef and, and the sushi chef is just kind of blindly chopping, cu- cutting off his legs and his feet and his, his fingers and whatnot. Now you said that that scene in the uncut version is very different, right? 
It's very long. Yeah, it's much gorier. And I don't know if in your version or not, but the sushi guy is distracted by this naked villainess. Yes. Yeah. So he's just staring at her and then she's definitely something to stare at. And uh, that scene goes on for a really long time. And the gore effects are really impressive. I mean, you don't, you know, what can I say? You know, and you're cutting an arm and a leg off and just the the amount of, of meat and blood and everything else. It was really well done. And uh, I think that, you know, it's, again, I don't think that's in every version. I think they were trying so hard to get a, a nice R rating, you know, out of the MPAA. And uh, anything that they were asked to cut out, I think they ended up just cutting out because thinking maybe this could make the jump to a mainstream. And it's nice to see it all restored because it just feels more like a Lloyd movie, you know, with all that gross stuff back in it. Well, I mean, it wasn't too long after this that they ended up doing the, the Toxic Crusaders cartoon. Thing. Right. It yeah. was very shortly after, within a year or two after this, I think. Yeah, which obviously marketed to kids. So I think they were definitely trying to, you know, trying to go that way and, and see how far they could get. And, and They, uh, they yeah. got a ways into it because there was, you know, there was Toxie cartoons. There was Toxie action figures. There was yep. even Marvel even put out a couple issues of a Toxic Avenger uh, comic book. You know, I mean, strangely enough, they, they got about as far far as i think anybody is as low budget as independent as lloyd and people like lloyd is could possibly probably get you know uh, mainstream wise i mean yeah and i think you know lloyd's lloyd i don't think is a real patient guy and i i think you know and i know he kind of put out part three pretty quickly after part two because obviously most of it was shot and he might have sabotaged himself there you know if he kept kept things going maybe along the, the route it was going maybe he could have gotten a you know a deal sooner you know with a marvel or somebody to, to take this you know to the next level and make him a lot of money um you still hear about that today you know that they're you know somebody's gonna take toxic avenger and and make it into a mainstream you know movie and i but i've been hearing that for you know 10 years so i never know when it's true but well, uh, yeah i know that they've been talking here lately about making one and it was supposed to have Kevin Bacon in it. It was supposed to have Peter, you know, Dinklage. Uh, Peter Dinklage. I mean, it's supposedly really happening this time. You know, I mean, again, it was it's supposedly really happening. You know, several times before. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, like when you're talking, people like it was Elijah Wood. That was the other name I was thinking. It was Elijah. Yeah, he's the villain. <laughs> it was Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. I. Like, I don't if know. that happens. I'm there. I'm there for. Uh-huh. I'll, 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 I'll wait till I see you know some actual footage before I pass judgment. You know because I'm 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 all there for it, but I'm not like really really excited for it because I just don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm, you know me. I'm I'm a little bit anti remake, but I try to save my judgment for when I see footage and I see a trailer. So yeah, I'll let it times, go. Yeah, and, and you know, and of course we're doing your series here on sequels, and a lot of times I. I'm anti the whole idea of it, but then when I see it, I'm I'm very good with it, and uh, this this is that's exactly what this is. I I I love the Toxic Avengers that I have right now. I don't need another one. I'd love it if Lloyd would make another one, but I, I don't Same. need somebody else to make one. But you know what? I, I'm going to check it out if they do it. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a fair shake. But you know, if it's a Hollywood mainstream Toxie, it's not going to be the gross out fun that we no. had in these you know these four for sure. No, no, it will not be of that kind of caliber. It will be a completely different toxic. But, you know, like I said, I, I will uh, reserve um, 
judgment until I actually see some footage, but they've been talking about doing, you know, uh, a big budget, you know, studio toxie movie yeah. for over 20 years now off and on. So, yeah, yeah. it was kind of like when Ash vs. Evil Dead was announced. I was like, you know, I never usually, you know, never say never, but I was saying never then. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't, wasn't going to believe that until it happened. And it did happen eventually. So it did. It did Stranger really things have occurred. Yep. Correct. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, you know, we're almost towards the end of the movie logistically, you know, uh, here, you know, after after Toxie beats his dad, you know, it, he gets uh, infected, I guess you could say, or, or he gets hit by the, the, the vial of trauma, anti-traumatons, makes him sick, and they got a little bit of a short, se- it's a short, you know, short and sweet sequence where Masami takes him to a sumo house and they nurse him back to health. And you kind of think, you know, like at least like the first time I watched this, you know, I remember watching this. I was like probably way too young. I was like 13, 14 years old when I watched this. <laughs> you know, I thought, wow, this is a short movie. This is where it's going to end. No, we still got another 25, 30 minutes of movie here. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, Tromaville's getting royally fucked up by um, Apocalypse Incorporated. Claire, who we pretty much have forgotten about for the last, what, 40 minutes of the movie, you know, they haven't showed her really at all, is getting attacked by a female gang. And, you know, and they basically, you know, realize that they can't, you know, uh, once Toxie comes back, you know, he, he saves Claire, he, he beats the uh, the female gang. And then your, your, your favorite, uh, Lisa Gay, gets uh, Claire knees her in the crotch and she reacts pretty much like a, a man would, which I thought was like, pretty funny with like it was almost like slapping me hilarious oh yeah it was it, that was a funny scene and it was a it, to me it, it was very reminiscent of like those you know old big time wrestler moves you know she picks her up and you know spins her around and, and you know and lisa gates yeah the helicopter slight, spin yeah i mean she's a slight little thing but you know phoebe's no giant either so phoebe's pretty darn strong for her size to be able to do that and then you know you know, throws her down. And, and I was, I'll admit, I was hoping for more in that scene as far as, you know, the, the two of them on the bed. But, you know, it, it was, it was a, uh, it, it was, it was the ending that, uh, that old, old Malfair deserved. <laughs> yeah, it's not the ending that we might have wanted, but it's, it's, it's what we got, right? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> and then she came back for the next one, so it's all she, good. She did come back for the next one, that is correct. And this is the point where, you know, the chairman and whatnot decide if they can't own Tromaville, they're going to destroy it. So this is also the one other point that's kind of a, just a weird uh, kind of uh, off-kilter moment of the movie. It, this is the, the part we were alluding to at the beginning of the show that kind of plays off a little weird and the timing is a little off and it's, a, it's, it's it just seems to be over like way way too quickly and you know they just call in this character the dark rider and they don't really have any build up to him it's just the like all of a sudden like the dark rider is just this new character that Toxie's supposed to fight that's you know we're an hour and 15 minutes into a, a you know a 95 minute movie and all of a sudden here's your main nemesis it's and, like okay i mean it, it was still it's a great sequence and is one of the like better choreographed uh action sequences in any trauma film well and it cracks me up that you know the dark rider and he's got 300 pounds of c4 strapped to him where (laughs) right right he's a suicide rider i guess and and you can and of course it's it's obviously that was all inserted later you know because 
this they you know this wasn't meant to happen this way he was just probably this dark rider was just some incidental battle that that Toxie had i'm sure in the original script but when they decided this was how this you know particular movie is going to end we've got to do something to make it more amazing and that was and like you said the whole chase sequence is absolutely phenomenal and you know got this cab with these two old people in taxi and the cab driver chasing this motorcycle all and through. And I love the older couple because it's supposed yeah. to be their 50th wedding anniversary and yeah. they're just arguing the whole, every step of the way while taxi is just like in between both of them. It's great it, stuff. It was hilarious and that, you know, and just all the things that happened in the cab and other cars and the explosions and just, but, but it's just so well done. I mean, I'm watching this thinking this, this is not just this isn't a farcical car chase. This is a dangerous, you know, exciting car chase that's accented by the humor of the, like you said, the, the two old people and Toxie's smart remarks and so on. But, uh, I mean, the, the excitement is real. There's a few times I'm just like, I'd be willing to bet somebody somewhere got hurt. It, you know, I don't know if there's any information like that out there somewhere. But I couldn't dig any up. But I'd be, I'd be surprised somebody didn't get hurt doing this. Because yeah. this seems awfully dangerous. It was, and and it wasn't just you know Lloyd reusing that same old car stunt over and over again. He had some new car stunts for this one, or or maybe they were older <laughs> before he shot that car stunt. I don't know. I but think it was before really... because it wasn't the original car flip that he reused like you know a half dozen times. Wasn't that in first time in Kabuki Man? Might have been. You're you're probably I right. Think... Which was yep. Yeah. But, uh, but, I mean, it was just I was just in, in some of them, of course, the explosions. I mean, the way the cars are blowing up, yeah, way way over the top. But, I mean, they're really blowing these things up, and they are huge explosions. It's like, this is really cool stuff. And, and you know, and, you know, we, and we can, I really can't say enough good things about that, but as you alluded to, but, but the end of the whole chase is where it just, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame. Because, you know, you got the guy with the 300 pounds of C4 strapped to him, and somehow, what do they do? They, they route him into a garage, and he blows up. It was like, okay, that was supposed to be enough to blow up all of Tromaville, but... <laughs> but it only blew up this one little small warehouse? Yeah, that was that was disappointing. It, I, but I know why, obviously, because this wasn't supposed to be the end of the movie. If it was, Lloyd would have had something bigger planned. But, you know, this was what they had to do so that they could, you know, get to the next level. So, and it's well, it's it what they had to do enough. to split the two movies up. And once yeah. they realized that they had two movies worth of footage on their hands, so they're like... Or, you know, they, they had to do something. And I understand it. Now, knowing yep. that that's what ended up happening, I can forgive it. Yep, totally. And, and you know, they tacked on a little ending, you know, a couple little funny things after that. But uh, I, I yeah. love that it went from, like, being a, a car versus a bike to a hovercraft versus a bike. I, I oh, would, yeah. Like, the first time I saw the hovercraft, I was like, okay, this is probably the most surprising element of this movie. Yeah. You know, of a trauma movie being that, that there's you know, a fucking hovercraft chase. You know, that I expect something like that out of a Jackie Chan movie, not a trauma movie. Yeah, or Bond. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bond. Yeah. Bondish. And and it, yeah, and that was sort of almost like a, a little afterthought too. You could tell because it really didn't do anything. It was cool. He goes the hovercraft, and the motorcycle goes one way, and the hovercraft, you know, can't really make the turn because <laughs> it's a hovercraft. And uh, but it was it was cool to see it, but it didn't need to be in the movie at all. It didn't really do anything. But uh, but it was it was just typical. I think of Lloyd just you know had the hey look, there's a hovercraft over there. Let's find out if we can use it. I'm sure Lloyd didn't write that scene, you know. But it's like hey, somebody's got one. Let's put it in. You know, yeah. as, as well as like uh, uh, on sets that we've been on, you know, there's lots of times we've had a happy accident where oh, yeah. somebody has has a prop or a weapon or an effect or a car, and it's just like okay. 
I got to take five minutes and write something around this because it's it's too good to pass up. I mean, if like all of a sudden somebody on set was just like, hey, do you need a, you know, uh, a hovercraft for your giant rubber monster movie? You'd be like, I, I, didn't know, I, I didn't know I did until now, but now I do. I absolutely need one. Yeah, that's right. uh, hilarious. But yeah, it's, it, it just makes it fun. You know, if, if you're a person who loves the uh, kitchen sink movie, this is right up your alley. You know, this is like any other crazy trauma movie. It's got just it's got enough of everything, I think, for, for any fan. And, and you did allude to this, uh, that they do tie it up kind of nicely in the end with a couple of cutesy things at the end where the the real Big Mac shows up. Yeah. Where uh, Big Mac, uh, the real Big Mac, that was Big Mac Bunko that we saw earlier. That was yeah. not Big Mac Junko. And this yeah. one, as soon as he shows up, you like, it's obvious. Like, even the first time I watched it, I was like, okay, this obvious, this is going to be like Toxie's real father. And of course, that's what he is. And he's like, I'm back forever. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stay with you. I'm not leaving ever again, even though he's been gone his entire life. Yeah. And this is sort of a happy ending. You know, it ends on a happy note. But, you know, there would be two more chap- chapters in uh, Toxie's legacy, you know, not including the, the, you know, the cartoon, which would technically be a third ch- chapter. But I love the way it ends where it says, you know, it fades up and it says the words, the end, and then across the top it says, this is not. This is not. And that's a great shot, too. That, that yeah. shot in a taxi is, is really well done. Yeah, it's very iconic, the, the yep. way it's kind of, you know, where it's like silhouetted against that, that, that what do they call that, the golden hour kind of sky? Yeah. It looks really, really good. And that was, and you know, that movie, too, I mean, that was, that was all shot in 35 millimeter. I mean, that was, you know, that was big bucks to put that together. And I, I thought his director of photography, did a, for the most part, did a really good job, and especially over in Japan. I think that those scenes were, were just perfect. But everything, uh, I think they, they, you know, for, for not a big budget movie, they really pulled off some neat stuff. And and uh, it's always it's always nice to just see something shot in 35. Right. I mean, because uh, Lloyd, most of the time, shot in 16. Yeah, you know, he didn't always. This is one of the several times that he actually shot in thirty-five, and it shows. It looks. It looks very theatrical. I think that was the the Lorimar and the, the Warner, you know, uh, you know, input or, or whatever you know, backing. I guess you know he knew he could do that, and uh, you know, and just that uh, you know it, it was the, the original was so successful. He had so many pre-sales that you know I'm sure he always wanted to shoot in thirty-five. So it just all, all came together for him in this one, and then ultimately in the next one too. That uh, <laughs> occurred because of this one. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, behind every uh, great man is an even better woman, and you know, kudos to Pat- Patricia. Uh, it always goes back to a woman named Patricia, doesn't it? But yes, it does. You know, uh, but Patricia Kaufman, you know, when she suggested that to him, I think that was probably the best move they could have made instead of just cutting all all that footage down and excising a half, you know, half of their film, which would, again, would have been another film well, altogether. It made sense. It. It's a think great business both, move. Yeah. Think about today, though, you know, with uh, with Justice League and with all the new ways that you can put movies out and things like that. You know, they got, they got a six hour cut of Justice League. That you know was released during the pandemic, but made a lot of money, you know, on HBO Max. And you know, today, if this movie came out, I wonder if Lloyd would make the same decision, or if you know, given 
just the, the whole state of the independent film market and everything else, if he would maybe put out a four hour version and just go for a streaming service or, or make it into a mini series, you know, who knows what decision you'd make today. But in those days, you know, it was VHS and it was the theaters. So yep. they and it was perfect. feature films. There were no web series, you know, there was no, you know, short film market or anthologies really weren't really a big thing, you know? So yeah. And putting out a four hour, six hour version of a movie would, you know, would not have flown back in those days. Nope. Not at all. No. Nope. And it was, it was, I, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I mean, I, I know I knew that there was, you know, some things about this one that, you know, were, it was pretty obvious that it was kind of spread into two films, but obviously when I first saw it, I didn't know that. And I was very satisfied with it even when I first saw it. But then, you know, as I learned more about it and, and you know, how it all came about, became two films in a way that's even more impressive that he could, you know, cut it the way he did and, uh, you know, and get two films out of this, you know, single idea. Yeah, it's a great move. You know, again, happy accident. Happy accident. Yep. <laughs> well, that being said, buddy, let's go ahead and rate and review this, or uh, do our final thoughts and rate this sucker. You know how we do around here. Uh, you can do, do a quick little summary and give us your rating on a scale from 1 to 10. Well, you know, for me, I'm a longtime trauma fan, and probably the only trauma movie I haven't seen yet is Shakespeare Shitstorm. I mean, Poopstorm, whatever we can say. And uh, this, you know, I'm, and by, by trauma movie, I'm not talking about all of the movies they've acquired. I'm talking about the Lloyd, you know, directed films. And right, right. For me, the, you know, this one and Poultry Geist are my two favorites of his. And I think they're both. You know, why even bother? They're both they're both for me a ten out of a ten, um, especially the director's cut. Now, if if I hadn't seen the director's cut and I was I was only going from maybe that VHS version, this one might have come out maybe an eight and a half or a nine. But now that I've seen the director's cut and you know got his whole you know vision in that film, uh, and just I just think it was of all his trauma movies, it was the best pacing. It was just the best you know the attitude. The, uh, you know, just the, the way everything kind of came together and, you know, it wasn't super violent. It was it was violent, but it was over the top and it was acceptable. Um, just everything about it just I thought worked. I think he even though maybe he didn't feel he was really well organized in the execution. I think his idea that he had for this, he was able to really follow through on it and really make the toxic movie that he wanted to make at that time. And I, I think he nailed it. So I, I'm going to go with a 10. Nice, nice. Well, I got to agree with you on most of everything you said. I think this is Lloyd at his most uh, creative, you know, and flying by the seat of his pants, you know, filming on 35, coming up with crazy effects, crazy stunts, crazy uh, death scenes, kill scenes, again, over-the-top characters. It's everything that a trauma movie is known for, minus a little bit of the blood and gore, but then again, I did not see the the unrated version. I've never seen the unrated version. (laughs) I need to. But, you know, I'm coming in slightly lower than you, just slightly. I'm coming in at 9 out of 10. But if I saw that unrated version, I probably, you know, I, I, I'd have to see that. If I see that, and I will amend my rating and give and amend it pr- properly. If, it, if it's as good as you say, then uh, I will am- amend this review and give it a 10 out of 10. You, will, you I, will like it more. I'm sure of that, but it will still have the same flaw that you noted you know, where it does, it does, you know, kind of the pace does definitely change a little bit during the Japanese sequences. 
Um, but, you know, I just I have an affection for Japan. I love the movies that come out of there. For me, that was that was just perfectly fine. You know, I, I just I just enjoyed that regardless of, of kind of the, the, the gear shift that happened there. You know, it was obviously downshifted in terms of just the maniacal pacing. But uh, I, I do think you'll enjoy the, the director's cut if you can track it down or if I can loan it to you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Maybe you can. Maybe you will. But yeah, nine out of ten. Uh, I think it's a good solid nine out of ten. And if I'm remembering correctly, I will do a a pre-review rating of Toxie three. I think to- this is right up there with Toxie three. They're both about a nine out of ten. You know, I, I haven't seen uh, Toxie four in forever, but yeah, it's a great double feature. It's a good for a double feature night. But yep, sure. good movie, good review. I'm, I'm glad uh, you picked this one after the the last movie we did, Shocking Dark. I needed, I needed to let you uh well no we did we did kill dozer after that i'm sorry yeah. we did do kill dozer so but yeah after shocking dark we needed to do uh something a little bit uh more you know a little bit more substantial yeah, we're, we're, we're gonna need another couple couple more movies to get shocking dark completely out of my system <laughs> Well, that being said, I think we'll put a pin in this one for the evening. It's been good times, brother. I, I, I've, I've enjoyed doing this one. This is the first uh, been doing this show for, God, you know, the, uh, 14, 15 months. And this is the first trauma movie we've done. So it's about time. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, it's, it's, there are certain directors that I really enjoy their work. Um, and, you know, obviously Lloyd is one of them and Bruno Mattei and, you know, Lucio and, you know, certain people I get really excited about, you know, talking about their work. And, and uh, that made it extra fun for me to do this one there. We, you and I obviously had quite a few on our list that we could have done, but I, I think we picked a we picked a real good one. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we did. You know, and there's a, I know a lot of people are probably saying we're, we're nuts giving a nine and a 10 to a movie like <laughs> Toxic Avenger 2. But once you know what world you're dealing with, and when you're dealing with the world that is, you know, Tromaville, you know, you're just, you're rating it, we're rating it appropriately, folks, for the world that we're living in. This is, this is not the real world. This is Tromaville. And we, we are not the MPAA and we are not mainstream movie lovers, you know, this no. is, I'm rating this for my own personal enjoyment and I'm not, I, you know, I'm not going to go tell you know, some some nerdy neighbor of mine, hey, be sure to watch Toxic Avenger 2 when I know that nerdy neighbor has never watched a horror movie or, you know, has any sense of humor whatsoever. This is this is my rating for people like me who just like these crazy right. movies. Well, that being said, folks, I think we'll bid you a fond farewell. You have been listening to Sequel 2 Deja Vu. I have been your host, Cameron Scott, and this has been my co-host, Thomas Berdinsky. And we invite you to take another trip down Tromaville Lane. My name is Melvin Junko. I live in a garden apartment in the Tromaville dump. I am the first hideously deformed monster hero of superhuman size and strength to come from New Jersey. They call me the Toxic Avenger. Ooh.